Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. Before we dive into this week's episode, I actually have another story for you guys that I want to share uh, that actually happened over the holidays. So I was fortunate enough to get some quality time with my 18-year-old brother, Nick, over Christmas, and we had actually been wanting to create some custom hoodies for a side hustle that the two of us are working on together. And so we sat down on the couch uh, with our masks on, of course, and I watched as Nick actually led the Google search. As he combed through the initial search results for design custom hoodies, I watched as he'd actually go ahead and hit the back button before a couple of the sites even finished loading. What are you doing? I exclaimed after the third time of him doing this. And he said, dude, you know, our internet is great. If the site doesn't load quickly, they're clearly not a reputable e-commerce brand. Now, for the sites that did load in a satisfactory time for Nick, he'd immediately go to the top right corner of the homepage and look for a search bar. And if he couldn't find a search bar or if his initial search didn't return what he was looking for, he'd go ahead and hop back to the search engine result pages. So Nick, like noticing my confusion around his digital behavior, said, dude, again, if they don't make it easy to find what I need via search, I'm going to find someone else who does. No one's got time to make sense of poor website navigation. Now, at the time, I didn't think much of this interaction, but you know, then I stumbled upon a company that is dedicated to tackling the very challenges that Nick encountered on his journey to find the best brand to order a custom hoodie from. And that company happens to be the sponsor of this week's podcast episode, Meet Squiz, a student experience platform that offers a full suite of solutions developed exclusively for higher education. Squiz has so many exceptional products that are worth checking out, but the two that I have been most impressed by is their custom site search product, Funnelback, and their website platform, which is a true DXP. And don't worry, I'll explain what this means momentarily. For Nick's generation, which is really the next wave of digital natives, search is not ancillary to navigation. Search is navigation. And Funnelback enables schools like yours to build custom, smart site search so that your nursing program page actually comes up when someone searches nursing instead of that one nursing faculty event registration page from like two years ago. You guys know which one I'm talking about. And their DXP, so it's so much more than a traditional website CMS. Now, a website CMS is meant for exactly what it claims to be, content management, right? Content management system is what website CMS stands for, by the way. Um, And it's an important part of your MarTech stack and an important part of the student lifecycle. But that's just it. It's an important part. A DXP, which is a digital experience platform, is built to be the hub of your MarTech stack. It relies on powerful integrations, data management, and an open platform in order to create the kind of experiences simply not possible with just a CMS. Or at least impossible without a giant IT web team to support all of the APIs and constant upkeep, yada, yada, yada. So... Say goodbye to the finicky plugins of WordPress and the crappy site architecture of Drupal that, by the way, totally hurts your SEO, and get ready to meet the fastest, the most powerful, and the most personalized website platform for colleges and universities on the market. Today, the student experience begins online, not at school. And as an enrollment marketer, your job is to ensure that prospective students find what they are looking for as quickly as possible. Squiz is the secret friction reducer that schools across the globe are using to not just attract students like my brother Nick, but actually to nurture them to the point of enrollment in a way that is conducive, not counter to, how they consume information and make purchasing decisions. To learn more about Squiz's secret sauce, head on over to enrollify.org forward slash Squiz, and be sure to start your research with their search bar. 
All right, guys, take care and enjoy this week's episode. Good morning, Mickey. How's the weather over there? It's uh, it, it, we had a couple of nice days here in Pennsylvania, and it's uh, back chilly again. It's going to be in the upper thirties for a couple of days. Um, actually, a little bit like three or four days as we round out the weekend, and then hopefully next week uh, the temperatures will be back to spring type temperatures. So you know, nice fifties and sixties. It's not the seventies and eighties. My friends down in the southeast and in the south have had. Uh, I've heard of 80, 75 to eighty degrees uh, between the Carolinas and Texas, and I'm just you know, a little envious, you know, I'll, I'll be honest. I can own that. Um, a little envious. Well, ready for the cold to stop. Yeah. If it makes you feel any better. Um, yesterday it rained literally nonstop all day and it was cold here in Carlsbad, California. So it's been beautiful and sunny, but yesterday I literally did not move like from my little desk setup because it was pouring, pouring, pouring rain all day. So hopefully today's a little bit better. I'm optimistic. Hopefully. <laughs> um, well, lots to talk about today, Mickey. And really what I thought would be fun is to share some a little bit of a conversation I had with a colleague earlier this week that I think I, I really just want your thoughts on, given your experience and uh, what you know about the industry. So my goal is to just share, sort of like pitch a couple of ideas for if I was a in marketing communications and I was coordinating with you as a you know VP of enrollment management on a on a campaign how I would go about pitching where we should spend our money and why we should spend it uh, in this particular way and then my goal is for you to uh, poke holes in in sort of my my pitch and or just say yep here you go Zach here's a blank check um, and and we'll go from there so my conversation with, I was talking to this guy, Matt Diddlegen, who I think I've talked about maybe once or twice on, on this podcast, and he's the CEO and founder of this cool company called Glacier out of Canada, and they do a lot of work with uh, digital advertising to high school students, and they recently put out this really remarkable report on how schools shifted their budgets um, over the past, really, six months, so well into COVID, um, you know, little bit of budgets had a lot of budgets that had been frozen had kind of been at least for many schools unfrozen at least a little bit um and there was now finally ability to spend some money on digital advertising again and what glacier was interested in understanding was how had those trends shifted were people spending money in different places than they were before the pandemic and if so what were those places and the long story short is that one of the th- interesting things that they uncovered was that of the marketers, of the higher ed marketers that were spending money on TikTok, 86% of them were reporting significant increases in their the returns on their campaigns, so much so that they were planning to invest more money in TikTok over the next six months. And yet, and this is this is the more more interesting part, only 1.9% of schools are currently advertising on the platform. And related, when it comes to Snapchat, uh, one of the things that was especially interesting there was that 64% of higher ed marketers that are spending money on Snapchat are reporting uh, an increase in effectiveness than they were reporting before COVID. 
and yet only 9% of colleges and universities are currently using the platform. So, you know, the what's interesting here is there's obviously a massive audience of Gen Z in particular that are on these platforms and not a lot of schools that are currently trying to get their advertisements, their videos, uh, their video ads in front of this particular audience. So my question for you, Mickey, is what do you think is going on here? Why do you think folks who, if there's clearly demand there, if, if campaigns are, are clearly working, why aren't more schools on these platforms? Is it, is it fear-based? Is it because people don't understand how to use these, these, these systems or these networks yet? What, from your perspective, would be the case for why, given this data, more enrollment marketers aren't hopping on these platforms? Yep. So let's, let's debate it a little bit. Let me push back. Um, if I put on my enrollment management hat, um, you know, I can understand, uh, well, there, there's several things I want to point out. Uh, one, I can understand exactly why schools would be jumping on that uh, right now in this time, um, because I am literally prevented from doing what I've done in the past. But doing what I've done in the past, when I can do that again, gets me a certain type of result I know I can um, handle. And that result, the variance I have in a year-to-year result of that is a narrow window for the most part. Eight With 80% confidence, I know I can be uh, between uh, 2% under to 5% over in my enrollment goal for the year. Yeah. So um, so if I am going to do something extra with you, that is either moving money that I'm using that's going to keep me in that window, that safety zone, to do something else, or I have to have extra money. Uh, and so, so that let's let's start with that context in mind. Yeah. Yeah. Second, um, now you you may have this in front of you, but when uh, your 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 colleague there at Glacier, when he's talking about the results that folks are getting, is that is that higher education results? So colleges, universities, their return? Yeah. Yeah. Or is that everyone marketing to college age? I want to be sure we that we do that because marketing for higher ed versus marketing for I don't know Dick Sporting Goods sure. is going to be different, even if it's targeting the same thing. Um, so we'll point that out. And I don't. Do you know that answer by the way? Yeah, yeah. No, no. These these are people who are working at colleges and universities that are spending okay. their ad dollars good to on know. these platforms. Yeah, yep. yeah. So good clarification. The, um, the second thing is. Yes, it might be effective for them, but what are the key ingredients to make that those ads effective in terms of the content and the stories we have to tell if we don't have it? If we don't have the stories presented in the way that those uh, platforms need, yeah. then no, how what you presented is a platform, yeah. not my path to the platform. Yeah. And there can be a chicken and an egg argument here. Do we just load up and start throwing money at the platform and figure it out and work our way there? Or do we start building out our stories that we have in a method that is more successful on those platforms? Which do we do first? And they both take time. So there's, there's that component. And then I'm going to say mm, what you're talking, it depends on when you're talking to me about this. Sure. It's, it's a little late in a normal year. This would be late for me to really have impact in fall 2022 for a traditional age group. I've already, I'm, I'm in March. We're wrapping up 
our efforts. Maybe it's not too late. I can do some things. But if I have to build out contents and new ways to present stories, I may not get this out till the summer. And then I may have missed the window to maximize my return because those ads are really going to be for building my inquiry pool. Unless you show me how otherwise it's 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 beyond that. But if I'm focusing that and I'm going in it with that mind, that in mind, fall of 2022 is is in a normal year, at least mostly made. Now, I don't know what my pool looks like this year. In fact, I'll, I'll say with our clients, we've been so focused on fall 2021. We've not really looked at what their fall 2022 pipeline should look like in a yeah. normal year now and what it really looks like to know if we're off. Right. Yeah, so yeah. I think, you know, so I, you know, I've got to be sure that the timing is right. So, you know, those are the things I would come back um, with or want to know internally and, and then push you on there um, to be sure that if I'm going to go into this new world and I'll, and I'll add one more thing, if I'm going to spend the time building up the stories for these platforms, how do I know that it's not going to be a fad? And I'll, I, I know there's, there's, Facebook that came around that was really effective. And, and as you're talking about, everybody's still on Facebook and Instagram. Now, I don't know why anybody that's advertising to a traditional uh, age student is, is on Facebook. I, I don't know yeah. um, why, unless it's for their parents. But Instagram, yeah, I can, yeah, I, I know that's been around. And we've talked a little bit about Instagram and way to, in ways to make um, that platform effective with, with influencers and, and such. You know, I, I would want to um, say, give me the path forward. And it's not just advertising because, I, and, and maybe you can correct me in this. This is where I need to learn. Is it really effective if we're just on that platform advertising or do we need to have a plan to be on the platform organically? And if we're not already doing that, you know, there again, chicken and the egg, which is first. Yeah. Yeah. Which do we need to have first? And if we don't have it, give me the path and what it takes the details it takes to build that out. And I think that's the, that's the fear. There's some fear about the lifetime, uh, uh, the, um, you know, how long that platform will exist and be uh, something that that'll be effective for you. There's a fear of not really knowing how it works. Um, and then there's a fear of, of not knowing how we're going to make it work for us. And we, if you can't present me the path and I don't have that answer on my own, you know, you know, that's like saying, Zach, Hey, the housing market in Des Moines, Iowa is through the roof. <laughs> Here are three houses. Which one do you want to buy? And when you say no, not understanding why you don't, why don't you want to move to Des Moines? You don't know enough about it. Who am I going to know there? Like, so it's, it's a big decision because it's not spending a couple thousand dollars um, because everyone that's pitched social to me tells me you've got to be on it at least six to 12 months before you can see any type of return. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, if I've got to be on that long, this is a long-term commitment. And then if I'm going to spend the money building out the content to make it work right, because if I jump into the platform, it's not working. The next thing is going to say, well, yeah, it takes six or 12 months, but we also have to be keep, you know, building new content. Well, I don't, I can't do that. Now I've got to pay for more content. It's, it's, it's the thought that I have to keep coming back to pay for something a little extra. Show me the path up front of everything that needs to happen, that there won't be any surprises and give me a predictable or a benchmark outcome I should be expecting. Yeah. Yeah. No, those are all very fair responses and i think that the the questions that you're you, that you're posing are a hundred percent on the mark and i think when i think about this it's more for what what's most surprising to me 
is that, and where I see the real opportunity is for schools, especially schools that, you know, you've got a little bit of money, but you're not like a top, you're not, you're not top rated. You are, you have a decent marketing team. Uh, folks are creative, right? You have student ambassadors that you might be able to tap into and your campaigns, you're, you know, you know what you're doing on digital, like you're getting decent returns. Um, whether that's again from an awareness campaign or a lead generation campaign, whatever it might be. But if you fall into that category and you're hungry to, to really stand out, if, if you want sort of the ability to have something that goes viral, like, you know, an SNHU video of their like bus tour or something like that, like if that's the kind of thing that you're interested in doing, Right now, the competition is so, so little and little to non-existent. And so I, I guess what I get excited about is for schools that are looking to make a difference uh, in their digital advertising and quite honestly don't want to have to compete um, against fellow competitor institutions for the same eyeballs, I think that this is a massive, massive opportunity. Now, I think to your earlier point, Mickey, the reason why this isn't happening more is because people don't understand how to use the platforms um, and or don't understand as you're mapping out the framework from how do you start posting organically to then running an ad campaign? How do you even create these like viral, you know, Instagram reels, right? Or, or TikToks and it looks like a lot of work. I don't really understand how, I don't really understand how we would do that uh, as a college or university. And I think all those questions are super fair, however, I think it's a big mistake for any enrollment management team, any marketing and communications team to not do something because it's harder to report on or to not do something because it's not going to be the, the story that you're telling about your work isn't going to be as uh, well packaged uh, or as shiny as it could be if you just you know ran a tried and true Facebook campaign where you know your cost per acquisition numbers and you understand what kind of reach you can get. And when I see, and really when I talk to people like Matt and others that notice these trends, um, I'm thinking in the back of my mind, okay, what would it look like for a school to be able to take 10 to 15% you know, of their digital advertising budget in any given cycle and invest that money into learning new platforms and testing out new content types, 10 to 15%. Um, and then right now, again, because there there's just limited competition in the higher ed marketers that are actually advertising on the platforms, that 10 to 15% is going to go a lot further today than it will go, you know, five or 10 years from now when we're in a situation like Facebook like the situation we're in with Facebook today where organic posts, organic reach is, you know, zero. So what am I saying? What I'm saying is that I think when you stumble upon trends like this, it's worth asking yourself and worth asking your team, hey, what would it take for us to be able to run a couple of test campaigns on these networks? What would that look like? Okay, we need a student ambassador that understands the platform. Okay, let's go figure out who you know, knows TikTok. Oh, we need somebody that is really good at creating Snapchat videos. Oh, okay. Who do we know as a, whether that's a, an ambassador, whether that's a vendor, whether that's a, a another um, 
uh, admissions counselor on our team who knows Snapchat really well. How do we put them at the helm of this project? And just create one. Just create one, throw some money behind it, um, and see sort of, okay, wow, this is the kind of reach I can expect on this platform. Or, oh my gosh. Like one of the things Matt said, which was shocking to me, is that right now their clients who are advertising on uh, Snapchat are seeing greater returns from a lead conversion standpoint than they are from Instagram. And I was shocked to hear that because I'm like, wow, why aren't more schools? I don't, maybe Glacier has some, you know, magic magic potion over there, silver bullet that I'm not aware of. But what, if, if in fact that is true, more and more, why are only 9% of colleges and universities advertising on the platform? And Matt's sort of thesis is that it's simply because, as you're saying, Mickey, it's fear-based. Folks don't know how to use it, and therefore they just don't. And I just don't think that that's an effective way to think about recruiting the next generation. So I'm going to push back a little bit again. I love it. Please. So like you were talking about, you know, the competition over eyeballs and, and trying to win that. Why wouldn't you do it? You know, because I might have an, inc- an extreme amount of competition uh, for eyeballs, but I'm hitting my numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Why, why do I want to risk not hitting my numbers? You know, I think when I look at who is going to be more apt to it, there are a couple of other things that, um, um, that, that you want to look at. Um, I would look at, you know, who's more progressive? Who do I, who can I find that's already more progressive? Um, or, and not necessarily progressive in the types of platforms they're using, but progressive in the, in how their ads and campaigns are running. Um, whose back's against the wall? Uh, right. And then then you can find, um, you know, they're they're through your work in, in marketing to college universities. You can probably find um, who's who's more into your content about being creative and, and doing that and then having those. Um, the other thing I'll, I'll shift and pivot on the, is the because the other company is, is getting great returns. I don't believe there is a clear and consistent definition around that term, great returns. As, hmm. and, and I don't mean, so between you as, as someone who's, who does this for a living, between enrollment marketers who work at a college university and uh, executive leadership or just general leaders, mid-level management and admissions teams, if you were to find what a great return is, their answers aren't going to all be the same. Because I can tell you the director of admissions, great return is not going to be cost per acquisition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so I, you know, defining that and being clear on what we mean with returns, um, and and clear, and let, let's let's throw out a, another marketing term, personas. So I would define what is a clear return for a marketer versus an enrollment person. Yeah. And I want to present great returns in the way that they want to see it and expect it. And if I don't have it, then I want to get it because getting it is going to get you a better return for you on getting that message across and getting a new opportunity to do this work for another client. Yeah. Like that, that is, I think, uh, an important piece of it Uh, because for me, if I'm wearing my enrollment management hat um, and I'm looking at what I'm doing and I'll just say right now, you know, I'm working with some schools on fall 2021, you know, if someone's pitching something to me, like we've got to do something like, um, even if my back's against the wall, you know, I don't want to hear 
cost back per acquisition. I sure. want to start looking at how many people are going to be in my pipeline I don't have now. And how that's for the short term. For the long term, I want to be able to go back and say, look at all of the ways everyone in my pipeline, the people we added and the people prior to that, um, engaged with us on these channels. If I can't show that, then I don't know for myself that it really worked. And so when I look at doing it again or expanding on it, if I should, because I don't see that result. Sure. But yeah, and and I hear you. And so, but where, where I would push back is like, I think that this is classic, like failure in alignment between marketing and admissions. And I think if I'm an enrollment manager, I should absolutely care about the cost per acquisition of a prospective student that my marketing team might be generating from Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat. And, you know, care in so much as that I should, there should be feedback loops that exist between, hey, all these people that are coming in from Facebook that you're sending me or that are, you know, falling into our our drip campaigns because of your ad campaigns. None of them are responding to my calls. None of them are responding to my text messages. But, oh, you know, funny enough, about 25 to 30% of the people coming in that are sourced from Snapchat, they're answering my calls and they're responding to my texts. Like that sort of feedback loop, that sort of alignment between what marketing is doing and what admissions cares most about, that needs to be there. Um, and I think like that, so, that's first. Let's, yeah, let me ahead. challenge you because I agree, but what you said is the key. And I don't think that this is tracked. 25% of the people from uh, 25% more people take my calls when they came from Snapchat, whatever that, you know, when you yeah, threw that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think schools have that. And if, if I have that, this argument's over because that's exactly what I need. But I don't think that they have that information. I don't think they know well enough, consistently yeah. enough. That, that I know that this person came in from Snapchat or that this person has engaged with us along the way somewhere with Snapchat. I don't see, I don't think we see that. And, and the other thing I would say is in terms of that feedback loop, yes, I agree it should be important. But right now, it's, it's, it's important at a certain time of the year. Sure. When I'm going back and assessing the results and when I'm doing my planning for next year, it's important. But once for the director level person, once that season starts, that feedback loop, I don't necessarily have a lot of time for that because I've got to execute on that plan as it sits. Now, there might be periods of time to say where I can give you some feedback, but I don't have a whole lot of time at that point just to keep playing around. And I, I've got to go do. I've got a team to run. I've got uh, applications to generate, decisions on applications to make. And so it should be important, but it's only important for a certain period of time where it's a high priority because then I've got to be able to go execute. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, and I think that this just brings up sort of the the need, the real need for somebody in somebody to sort of be a, the bridge between admissions and marketing. And you know, when mm -hmm. we when we talk about like enrollment marketing or an enrollment marketer, we're typically thinking of somebody that has one foot in admissions and one foot in marketing or can you know translate between marketing and admissions. And I think like as you're talking, what's coming to my mind is school every school needs an enrollment marketer like you know yes. you need somebody that can advocate for admissions but also can tell admissions okay hey here's how we're going to track 
like our, you know, here are the campaigns that we're running. Here's the data that we're going to be able to provide to you. What we need from you is we need this feedback. Here's a platform that's going to help us understand who's coming in and how they're interacting with our emails. Sure. But we need to hear from you, right? Who's returning your calls? Who's, who's responding to your text messages? And I think, you know, obviously marketing and, and communications departments have a, you know, have myriad responsibilities outside of just helping generate prospective student leads for uh, admissions. But there needs to be somebody that's dedicated to that. Um, because if not, you're right, Mickey, like there's no, this data is not going to be shared. Even if it exists, no one's going to look at it because no one knows where to find it. So, well, so, and so I'll be clear when I say about that data, where to find it, I want it in my CRM. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly where I want it, where I see it, because then we can say, um, because that's the place where you're logging all of your calls, right? Um, that's where that information is going to be. So if I can have the marketing attribution in there that connects and I can have even within the contact record, so I can look as an admission counselor and see how this student has engaged with us. I want to see beyond how many emails I opened or clicked. Sure. I want to see beyond how many texts they've read uh, and clicked. Um, I want to see beyond just the number of phone calls we make. I can be more informed. Um, and as an enrollment marketer, I can build more engaging um, collateral and campaigns if I know that they are engaging in social and where they're engaging. Like all of that can be used to inform. And, and it, it can move beyond just showing me results when I know I have other types of data like that, that let me do other things that yeah. help present other opportunities. Um, and I think there's just so, so few schools that have that, that expertise that you're just talking about that enrollment marker or um, the ability to pay a firm to do all of that, because that's not cheap. Let's be clear sure. that running all of that and having that level of data, having that level of campaigns that follow up uh, the content, all of that, that's, you know, that's a pricey thing and a pricey investment. Um, and so it's, 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 it can be, it can be a big challenge, um, for it. And I, I, I just want to be sure that everyone listening understands, you know, it's, I, cause I do agree that we're, we're debating this. I agree. And I like the idea of doing it. It's, it's, it is, um, it's, it's just not something most folks can accomplish at that level. Sure. Um, sure. And I, I can't wait for the day, uh, when they can, yeah. I, I really can't. But and, and again, what, what I am most interested in, I guess, communicating is that I see tapping into these new platforms, developing strategies for student recruitment uh, that are in ponds that fewer people are playing in as really just a way to differentiate. And like in, in the spirit of trying to be different, in the spirit of trying to think outside the box and, OK, look, you don't have the budget that the school down the street does. You can't drop $150,000 per quarter on a Facebook ad campaign, right? But could you get creative and, and tap into, could you spend $10,000 on a TikTok campaign? I don't know. Maybe you can. The, the big point being that like savvy enrollment marketers, savvy enrollment managers, savvy higher education uh, marketing communications professionals, They'll think they'll think this way, and they'll they'll be willing and, and able to find and convince leadership. Can I run a test? Can I try this thing? And I think that the testing, right, and really sort of being diligent about conducting the test appropriately and understanding what you know what the results were and why they were the way that they were. Um, if you can do that effectively, I think that that's how you stand out. That that is a key mm -hmm. sort of differentiator and. In a world where hired is hungry for that, 
I'm excited for the folks that are going to listen to today's episode and go try a couple of these things and, and report back and say, Hey, you know what, Zach, you're, you know, full of crap. Like none of these (laughs) things worked and, or, Hey, oh my gosh, wow, this actually really worked. And I'm going to tell nobody because, uh, I want to keep this to myself. (laughs) So, but you know, they work. Yeah. And I mean, that's what the the data, that's what the data says. Refining, but I think it's refining and looking at how we present that they worked and better, um, demonstrating um, the results of, of when we say it works, what that means when we say it worked. Uh, because, you know, obviously there are campaigns that um, when you say they work are meaning more students. Sometimes those campaigns mean you need a bigger, you need more impressions, you need more awareness. And that's part of the goal. And I think a ensuring that we define the goal and what we did to work towards that goal and then show the outcomes as they progress toward that towards that goal. And, and that is what we want to, you know, be able to do. And I think if we can do that, then we can not just get folks attention, but get them to begin to understand and listen more carefully and critically uh, and consider what we want um, or what we know is more impactful and powerful that can help them. I love it. Well, so much here, but I kind of, I kind (laughs) of like this format of me, pitching some ideas to you and uh, you poking holes in them and helping me think about it from a different perspective. I think that that's kind of fun. We might have to revisit this, but um, I should, I should jump and I am sure you got to go too. Yes. Well, I, I agree. I like it. And I'm hopeful that uh, folks listening, give us feedback. Yeah. Um, do you, if you completely agree with, with me uh, or Zach, probably more likely to be disagreeing with me, but that's okay. <laughs> Let us, I want to know what folks think about this and um and see what 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 about this conversation are we missing that that's in their mind when they're hearing other folks preach about the impact of social uh whether it's social media social selling whatever it is what what is it going through your mind when you hear it yeah i'm curious yeah well sir as always thank you for your time and we'll talk next week until next week thank you zach thank you everyone for listening Mm -hmm.